Hello, everybody. Welcome to World 101 Podcast. I'm your host, Eddie V. Joining me is once again Big Papa himself, Mr. Larry Giver. Mm, bop, 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 mm, bop. Now you're going to hear that for the rest of the day. Oh, you're welcome. no, no. And I got the <laughs> <laughs> I got the coolest technology, Mr. Adrian Nieto. Coolest technology? You, I mean, you sound like a cyborg there. Yeah, because hello, uh, <laughs> you're part of the frozen machine, so you got the I coolest. So, yeah. so um, well, Skynet's coming to kill us. Oh no! Yeah, I will. <laughs> uh, uh, just <laughs> welcome everybody. <laughs> um, uh, we got a great show for you today. We're going to be talking about reviews, and we're going to be talking about a custom-made gun. Um, but first, we're going to get into our indie watch. Uh, Mr. Adrian Nieto, can you tell us actually, what's up? Actually, before we start with indie watch today. We have to uh, say our happy birthdays to Edward. That is uh, turning. How old are you? Well, no, we're not gonna say that. We're not. I'm 36. But he's okay. Well, all right. I'm so 36, 36 today. So happy birthday. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so he's 36 today. So a round of applause. Yay! Happy birthday. Thank you. Do you had cake you. already. I actually had ice cream and a cupcake. All right. So Ooh, after I, the. I should get ice cream after this. Oh. I'm getting ice cream for you. Well, not for you, for me, but I'll 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 eat it thinking of you. And I now I just want a good chocolate cherry double dipped ice cream. Oh, cherry yeah. double dipped cherry chocolate ice cream. That's what I want. Sounds hardcore. I want some too now. Uh, All right, now nice. now let's let's get to business. Uh, so in the watch, yes, we're talking about Oxen Free uh, today, which is a game made by. Uh, I want to say Midnight Studios, if I'm not mistaken. I believe uh, so. Could, yeah, uh, you can look that up while I keep talking. Um, so, uh, oh, yeah, Ultimate Free came out uh, this year, on, I believe February, on both Xbox One and PC. And uh, the reason why we're talking about this game, oh, of course, I forgot to actually say, Indie Watch is a, you know, a segment where we talk about indie games that we're excited about that we're playing or that are coming out or that they're, they're ready out. So we're excited about them. Um, so Oxen Free, the reason why I was so excited about it, I saw a preview on IGN.com and I remember thinking, man, like this game graphics-wise looks really fantastic. It's like whole all, all um, hand-drawn animations for every single character and this uh, point-and-click type of mystery thriller horror game. I think it's fair to say. Um, I mean, the mechanics are very simple. You interact with things, you talk to people, uh, and you're trying to kind of trying to get out of a like an island that is kind of like curse or something. And this game is um, developed and published by Night School Studio. Night School, yeah, thank you. Yeah. Night School Studios, yeah. And they're X um, X Telltale and X Disney developers. Yeah, which is, I mean, like it's it's hardcore, right? Like you know that those guys, they they mean business. So it's um, I I thought it was a really cool game, especially because you know, in most uh, point and click adventure games from back in the '80s and stuff like that, you will like interact with something and something will happen. Uh, you will talk to uh, like a character and they will say something, but that was about it. It was very scripted and like there was no like room for anything else. 
what Oxenfree, the cool thing about it is that whenever you're like walking these very big areas and interacting with these big things, there are your companions or your characters that you're with, they they will say something and you have, you know, like three or four or something different options that you can answer and the conversation changes depending on what you said. It doesn't really affect, or at least it, it hasn't where I am right now. I have something between like two hours into the game or something like that. Um, it hasn't affect any decision or anything in the game, but I just thought it was, you know, it's kind of cool. Like it feels like I'm playing this character, like I'm right there talking with this other character about like everything that's going to run around me, right? So I thought it was really cool. Um, what do you guys think about like the graphics and the gameplay? If you guys saw any videos, I know you guys haven't played it, so let's just talk, you know, like graphics and stuff like that. I like the graphics. Um, I, I like the art style that they decided to go with. It's kind of kiddish. It's almost, it almost is like, um, kind of like a, a rhythm book for like a third or fourth grade. Um, greater um just the way looking at the animation um i do have have it on xbox one but i haven't started yet um because i've been playing uh shadow complex remaster and the uh, the division i've been playing that um but i did get it and i am going to be um be starting to uh, start it because you say it's the click uh, point and click adventure and um i like i kind of like i'm starting to get into games like that and i can't wait to really play but uh, yeah the art style is really nice yeah, I think you nailed that with the description of uh, like a four grade uh, school book. Like it, it literally, it looks a lot like that. So yeah, that's really nails it. Okay, what about you, Larry? I haven't gotten to look at anything on it because I've been busy playing this game called New Baby. <laughs> Parenthood. Yeah, the ultimate game. That game. Oh, I, yeah, I, it's it's pretty hard. So <laughs> we don't Larry, blame you for that. Larry, did you get the deluxe package? <laughs> yeah. Oh god. Uh, yeah, the I, I think uh the, the shipping weight was nine pounds eleven ounces. Oh, god. oh wow. Amazon will have charged you a lot for that. <laughs> <laughs> Holy moly. Actually now you know it's it's a good segue. Nine uh, months to get here, slowest fucking shipping ever. <laughs> <laughs> um speaking speaking of uh of shipping and stuff like that, I wasn't gonna talk about this, but it's a good segue. Um, the Oxen Free Collector's Edition, I don't know if you guys saw it, but the Collector's Edition for the game was like this mini cooler that had, um, of course, a digital version of the game with a code that you can get, a map of the entire island where the events of the game take place, a can of beer with like a, like a sleeve or something to keep it cold, uh, a flashlight, and like, you know, like a couple of pins and stuff like that. And I thought, like, man, that is... It's a really cool collector's edition. It's very unique, you know, very different from anything else that I've seen on on other video game developers. Right. So, like, now that you guys hear this, what do you think about that collector's edition? That's nice. Uh, the first thing I say, the first thing I think is really, if I'm going to pay for a collector's edition and I don't get a physical copy of the game, that's bullshit. That shit pisses oh. me off. Well, but it's a, it's like the the game didn't release on retail, right? So it's it's only on on um, what well, Xbox Live and Steam. Yeah. So, I mean, what else are they gonna do? They can't print just one game. Like it doesn't work like that, right? Right. And well, you, if you're releasing it on PC, you could totally print discs. Well, you have to think uh, yeah. um, indie developers versus uh, AAA developer and publisher. They. Um, 
and you know you could well you could say the same thing with yacht club with shovel knight but with with them they had to make a lot of money for them to even make a, a physical copy and they had to kind of raise the price yeah. for that um where this game is just now coming out they probably had to finance it themselves um after the, even with the kickstarter money um, so you, they probably didn't have enough to do a physical copy because if that was going to be the case, I think they probably would have to add more money and, add, you know, ask for more money on Kickstarter to get a physical copy. So, yeah, no, I agree. And <clears throat> let's face it, Larry, who on earth buys physical copies for PC games anymore? Like who? You know what? I still like having physical copies. Even if it's PC, I still like having a physical oh, copy. Oh, I agree. I agree. I love my physical copies. Every time I get a game uh, or I, like, like I buy a used game or something that doesn't have like a case or something, I will just – like I, I won't even buy it. I'll just like leave it. I, uh-huh. I need I – like I like my physical – my complete physical experience. Right. That being said though, like if you go anywhere, a- any retail store, you could – to GameStop, you go to uh, Walmart, anywhere, Best Buy. The PC section, it's lovable. It's like there's like three games and there's only major games, right? You have the most common ones, right? You have your Assassin's Creed, you mostly series of games actually, like Assassin's Creed, The Division, uh, and whatnot. You have your Call of Duty, and you may have like a Blizzard game, right? Like a World of Warcraft expansion or something. There's nothing else to it. So, I mean... Well, it's because I of, still think it's a cool collector station. I mean, it, it, well, it's because of Steam itself. You know why? Why spend extra money into a physical copy that really people know that they're going to make more of their money if this comes to any kind of PC port? Might as well make it digitally, and might as well make it on put it on the Steam platform because Steam is a really big platform for a lot of PC players. So not only are um, companies saving money, they don't have to worry about the used game market for that matter. Yeah, that, that's that's very true. I mean, it will be very bad for uh, a small indie developer uh, group that they print these collector's edition with a physical release of the PC game, and then they have oh, we only sold like three. Now we have like a hundred something stuck with us, right? So like it wouldn't be it wouldn't be good for for their business. So I'm okay with with no uh, um, really. I'm, not, I, I'm okay with with them not releasing a, like a very big uh, physical release. I'm just happy that the collector's edition is so unique, uh, considering how generic collector's edition are from other games. I think that's oh yes. Guess what? We'll give you a T-shirt and the soundtrack, and that's it. And this is for a hundred dollars, really? No. Yeah, or like you you'll have like a weird generic statue and it's like well i don't care about this i mean, i can't put more crap on my apartment right but you know like this collector's edition right like you have a mini cooler like i can take that to the beach you know that i go to the beach um you can drink your beer and that's cool you can take your flashlight and use it and i don't know i think it's it's really rad i give him credit for putting something nifty out like i said i'm just you know, if, if I'm going to pay that kind of money for something, I still want a physical copy of the actual game itself, mm-hmm. even if it's on PC. And yes, I know PC physical copy went out the window as soon as Steam hit the fucking door. <laughs> Very much, yes. That's not to say that there hasn't been some good things that came about from it, because then, you know, not only do we get Steam, but, you know, even better came along good old games, you know, which... It, 
gay, I love good old games. I, I really do, because they've got some of my favorite old fucking PC games on there. And I know, it's it fantastic. Not only that, too, but unlike Steam, it's DRM-free. I can sit there and download as many copies of this game as I want if I really want to be an asshole and just give them out to friends. Like, play this shit here! Well, you know, uh, the thing with DMR-free, um, like, yeah, you can give it to a friend, but, like, I would like to believe that whoever you're giving it to, they will, like, give the game a chance, right? Like, they will play and say, like, hey, this game was actually really good. I'm going to buy it for myself. And then they'll exactly. download their own copy. Yeah. No, that was in the way. It's almost the equivalent of having a physical copy that I could hand to somebody and say, here, try this. Actually, I, I think Oxenfree is on good old games. If not, I believe you can buy a DMR a DMR uh, free version on their website. So. There you go. Yeah, or just buy the Xbox One version if you prefer to play it on console. Um, I don't know if they started their uh, um, cross remote or cross play uh, with Windows uh, and Xbox One. Like if you buy it. On Xbox One, you could play it on your PC. I don't know if they started that yet, um, but if they did and you could do it, I say you know go that route too, if you prefer. Yeah. All right, so we're going to get into our first topic. Um, there was a, a Texas-based group who custom made a gun to look like the Nintendo Zapper, and they posted it on Facebook, um, and it got a lot of. Um, you know, various comments on there. And I'm going to let Larry take over this story um, and get thoughts from him first. All right. For one, that is a sexy fucking gun, and I want one. Somebody get it for me. I want it. (laughs) Whoever in the hell did this did a beautiful job just detailing the hell out of it. Now, from there... Yahoo posted an article talking about this, and they're like, well, this is why police officers you know, have to make split-second decisions. Is it a real gun? Is it a toy? I'm sitting here thinking, first of all, anybody who has the money to afford this, this is not going to end up in the hands of a child. I guarantee you, that's an expensive fucking custom, because they did some damn nice work on that. Second of all, anybody who has any interest in actually picking up said firearm is not going to use it as their everyday you know carry piece that's retarded that's a that's a showpiece that you take out to the range every once in a while when you've got some friends and you go dude check this shit out it's awesome you pull it out you pull you know you put off a couple clips through it and you put it away again because you go eh, that's neat and it looks really fucking cool on my shelf and that's it you know i'm sorry there is no way in hell that the the you know, issue of coy guns and, you know, real guns looking like fake guns need to come up with this. This is fucking retarded. But that being said, it's really fucking sexy. I want one. Somebody send me that. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> this was designed by a precision syndicate, um, I think LLC. And they're mostly like a prototype uh, company. And someone there just custom made this. Um, one of the comments that, that was put on here, as Larry was talking about, uh, you know, cops making decisions. One of those per- commenters put this, and I'm reading it just like it's read, without no, like really no kind of... Yeah. Worthless 
worthless craps for making this. Not only would a child have a hard enough time telling the diff if it's real or fake image all the law enforcement that now might second guess it and lose their life and others around. Uh, yeah, without correct English posted to it. Um, I think it's, it looks really nice, and it's not a real gun. It's not a real gun. I mean, it's just saying it, it's a prototype. The, I mean, it's a real gun, but the way that it looks, look like they probably could put more detail. But it's just an idea of how a custom gun would look like as doing the Nintendo Zapper. Um, they got the color scheme down, com- like com- just straight down. Um. They don't have the clean, clean. I wish they kind of did have that. Um, but, yeah, they also posted a story uh, about uh, tw- the 12-year-old last year who was killed to death by the police because they thought he had a real gun, but the kid had a toy gun. Um, at my job, I actually get a lot of customers asking us why we don't sell real-life-looking real guns because they need it for a player or something. Well, toy guns like that have been banned from toy stores they can't sell them no more you have to get you actually have to get a nerf gun and the nerf gun has to be designed um really kind of weird and wacky it cannot rep it cannot look like a real gun yeah yeah and you know it's it's a problem where where people uneducated people think like a custom gun like this can possibly be mistaken with the plastic 30-something-year-old sapper. Like, that's just stupid, really. I mean, this sapper is longer, it's thinner. It's First of all, it's made of plastic, so it doesn't emit the same glow than the, than the Glock. Uh, because it, I think it's a Glock, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, the model it's, a Glock. Uh, um, it's a Glock. Yeah, exactly. It's a second <clears throat> Glock. So, yeah, like, the Glock, it's, it's, it's bigger and, like, thicker as well, right? Like... It looks like an actual gun. Right. Well, the supper gun looks like something you pull up just using, like, the worst things in your house. Like, let's face it. The supper gun is an amazing piece of device. It looks cheap as shit. And the thing... Damn it, I just curse on my show. <laughs> no, that's fine. And the thing about... And the thing about that... What the fuck that... are you cursing for? <laughs> no! Larry, well, the, the the weird thing about it is just like how many kids know what the Nintendo Zapper even is or how it looks like unless you probably play Smash Brothers or your parents or friends show them that you a kid wouldn't know that like what what adult what grown adult is going to leave a Glock that looks like the Zapper out in the open for a kid to show off or a kid to get to in fact you have to I think I don't know if it's law or anything but you have to buy a gun case to lock it that's kind of required yeah. for you to even actually have one like really like okay honey Not we're here. gonna no i i think i think larry nailed it when he said like this is a very nice looking modified gun that you just put on display like you you I, honestly if it was me if i if <clears throat> i was the one owning that gun i wouldn't even take it to the range like I, if i did i would just like show it and then put it back because like, like i i wouldn't want it to like spoil or anything right so i mean it's i can understand people being afraid from stuff but they need to be smart about what they're being afraid of and think about it like when if you shoot if you shot somebody with the gun do you get points 
Like, do you get, do you, do you, <laughs> like, oh my goodness, I just killed, I just hit, like, killed uh, six people. I got 700 points in a bonus. Like, really? Yeah, twelve-year-old Tommy on the playground. I shot Billy in the head. Where's he gonna respawn? Yeah. <laughs> and do you have uh, and uh and do you have to treat it like House of the Dead? Like if you run out of ammo, you just switch the gun off somewhere, and then it comes back up. <laughs> That's such a good game. Uh... Uh, any more thoughts, everybody, before we get into our main topic? No, I no, just think the gun one. looks cool. Yeah, the gun looks cool. I I wouldn't want one. I don't. I'm not a gun fanatic. Um, I really don't care. I'm more of a sword guy. Uh, so if someone creates, I mean, <clears throat> I've seen master sword replicas, but if someone nails like an actual replica that has the weight and everything, I'll probably buy that. Um, that being said, uh, uh, <clears throat> oh sorry. Um, that being said, I think, um, oh, man, I forgot what I was going to go with this. Did, no, never mind. Have I you forgot guys, what I was going to say. Did, have you guys seen the Sega Master, uh, Master System gun? Oh, God, that thing. <laughs> okay. That was the one that looked like an old six-shooter, isn't it? <laughs> yes. So, <laughs> funny story. Uh, I used to, my brother had the Sega Master System, so, um, uh, we got the gun because it came with the system, and we would play, like, a game called Gangster Town with it. Um, and when you shot the gangsters, they have, like, rings, and they would uh, slide up. Well, while we were playing the gun, like, sometimes it wouldn't um, it wouldn't shoot. For some unknown reason, we had to turn the gun upside down and shoot it upside down, and it would work. And we didn't know why. So we're shooting gangsters. Uh, against the town, uh, with gun, with the gun upside down. I'm just like, huh? That's weird. Uh-huh. And I actually that beat. Is, that is actually very strange. I actually beat gun uh, against the town with an upside down gun. Uh, I'm <laughs> dedicated. I'm so dedicated. I, I was. I just remember what I was gonna say. Um, the only thing I know about the Glock is that it sucks on Counter Strike. So even if you acquire this gun, it will probably take you like six or seven bullets to kill someone. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> oh my goodness. I could just... It's a very bad gun in the game. <laughs> oh, wow. Oh, wow. We was um, actually... Um, when me and my friends went out, we was actually playing um, uh, Time Crisis 5. And I can't believe that they're still making that. Um, and I was just like... Wow, uh, it's up to five, and they changed the way that the game looks. Like you now have two pedals; you have one pedal to go left and one pedal to go right. And it it was so weird seeing that. I'm like, goodness, Time Crisis have evolved to a whole different thing. I love I love gun games like that. Yeah, Time Crisis was good. I don't think I've played anything other than two and three though. And I play all the House of the Dead ones on the Dreamcast and the Overkill one on Wii. I play them on the arcades. That's the only place I play them. Uh, well, let's get into our main discussion. Uh, we're talking about reviews. And uh, 
we were talking on Facebook on, uh, and I know Larry has his ultimate plan for reviews. So we're going to say that for later, but we were talking about reviews. Um, you know, reviews are one of the most controversial things about video games, in my opinion, because for some unknown reason, a lot of people like to skip the text and look at the number or look at the grade. And, and as gamers, I I just want to want to know why we do that. So my first question to you guys is what are the purpose for video game reviews or just reviews in general? Like, what do you think the purpose is for them? I think the the purpose is to, you know, help the customers make an informed decision, right? Um, without video game reviews, uh, there won't be like YouTube videos for parents. Oh, Adrian. Um, oh, Adrian. So I think they're they're I think they're fairly important. Adrian, uh, do you have to say that again? You kind of froze. Oh, that's fine. Um, <clears throat> so I think the, the purpose of video game reviews is to help customers make an informed decision. Um, without video game reviews, there won't be YouTube videos for parents to know if GTA 5 will be, you know, at a smarter purchase for their seven-year-old son, right? Um, I think they have to be there. Uh, whether or not you agree with them, that's up to you, right? You can still buy the game if you want and make your own decision, uh, but I think they help consumers, not like us, right? Like we're gamers and we know whether or not that game looks fun, whether or not we want to play the game, but they help like, like, you know, casual gamers or parents or stuff like that to know whether or not their, that product is appropriate for their children. Yes. Uh, what about you, Larry? I'm going to say before you even get into the use of a review, there's a fundamental step that comes first that almost nobody fucking talks about. Know your reviewer. Know the fucking source. That is absolutely important. Because for God's sakes, if you're going to sit there and read a review about a game that you're excited about, you know, and it was reviewed by somebody that it's, we'll say it's a long established series, and it's reviewed by somebody that hates the fucking series and everything that it stands for, why would you read and or use that review? This person has a, a set of tastes that obviously don't match up with yours. Find a reviewer th- whose tastes generally fall in line with yours. Start there. As far as the use of the review, you know, I generally have my mind made up whether or not I'm going to buy something by the time it comes out. That being said, it's kind of nice to, you know, go through a review and say, and, and you know, see some things to either a look out for, you know, some things to get a little extra excited about, you know, now that somebody's played through the final version and B it's nice to get a heads up. If, you know, I, I should expect uh, some problems or some issues here or there, you know, instead of being caught off guard going, Oh shit, my thing just crashed. You know, it's, it's nice to know if something's a little bit buggy and then I kind of temper my expectations to go along with that you know and at that point my experience is not nearly as marred by it because i knew what i was walking into from the get-go you know there there are instances where i'll read a review and on something that i was looking forward to and by the time it comes out and i read the review i find out in the review that the game's 
completely butt fucked broken, then I won't pick it up. That'll that'll stop me. I'll go. Uh, well, I was excited, but shit's broke. I'll wait till it's five dollars in a used bin somewhere, and then maybe I'll put myself through it just to just to get the experience. But if it's completely you know broke ass experience, then I'm not going to drop forty or forty to sixty dollars on a new game for it. You know. But if, if it's a case of, you know, okay, I should expect a hiccup or two here or here, then it's nice to know that walking in. You know, that helps yeah. that helps me enjoy it a little bit better because I'm not caught off guard, you know, when I when I've got that heads up. And and I like how when some uh when reviewers when they talk about the review, they say that even though a game might get a ten or a plus, it doesn't mean that the game is perfect. And there I think there's some people some people in the community who wants a game to be completely perfect where there's just a whole bunch of pros and have no cons. You're not gonna have that. Definitely in the a modern age of gaming now. Um if you wanna take for example uh aliens colonial Marines, um, how the trailer kind of tricked everybody into thinking of what the game is going to be, and then when the review actually came out, it came out when the game came out. So they was expecting people to go off what the trailer was and pick up the game and sell it without reading the review. Um, definitely, when a game like Alien uh, Colonial Marines has an embargo that you cannot put your review out till actually maybe around ten or eleven o'clock um, in the morning. Well, don't forget that a lot of reviews that come out might have different time zones. So you won't know anything. So all you could be based off of is the um, is you know the trailer um that you see and definitely for me um (laughs) definitely for me um when it comes to like nintendo like i know i'm going to get a great product because of the games that they purchased in the past where something like ubisoft i'm definitely going to wait to the review because of their products not being good oh pikachu pika pika um so um why do you think why do you guys think the number system is so important in reviews um like why do people really skip the text and um uh, even with your uh with your because your your uh advice larry is really good know who your reviewer uh reviewer is and if they like that kind of genre or not um uh, why do you think the number game is like so important to reviews because people want justification they want to feel you know, they want to feel that they're right. That, you know, that they're excited about a game, and they just want every, they just want somebody, you know, to fucking agree with them. It's ridiculous, and frankly, and we'll get to it. But the number system, that that hundred point or ten point or fifty point or five point scale, needs to go out the fucking window. I believe the number system is uh, something you take with you when you're talking to your friends. Like, hey, I love this game, and it got, you know, like a 10 or like a 9 or something, you know, on IGN. You should totally check it out because, I mean, it must be a good game if they're giving, like, a high review, and I like it, right? So uh, some people are moved by the number. Uh, I I don't think I am. Uh, For example, uh, uh, Paper Mario, uh, I'm sorry, Mario & Luigi Paper Game for the 3DS got, like, a very low score on, on many websites recently. But I was like, well, 
you know what? Whatever. I don't care, really care about the number. Like, I, I played the game. I had fun. And even though I agree with some of the points they say, I still think the game is worth checking. Um, so, yeah, like, I, I, I'm i not one that cares for, for the number. I care more about, like, the experience. If I see a review, if I read a review, and just like Larry said, um, it's, like, buggy or broken, then that made me not want to get the game. But if what you're saying is like, oh, it's too short. That matter. Why, why is that important? How much money did I pay? Like they paid 60 bucks and it's like a three hour game. Well, maybe that may be a bit too much, but did I had a good experience? Like did I enjoy my time those three hours for $60? Then maybe it was worth it, right? Like I paid $20, $20 an hour for like a really good experience. So right. maybe it's not that bad. And definitely people continue to look at Metacritic and be like, well, that's kind of the defining number for this game. And there could be a a really good game that, you know, has a really high Metacritic, but, you know, it might come out and people might not actually really like it, you know, and just be like, how did this game get this high of a score? You know, uh, Definitely for me, I like reading the text first before I look at the score and look at the pros and cons. Because I read reviews definitely from IGN. I read them from Destructoid. Um, I listen to um, like Jim Sterling, like when he does his reviews. Um, Polygon, I read it from. Like even in, in like the MVC video game book club or just the community, and like even beyond the stuff. I like I listen to different people' opinions about a certain game and try to hear their pros and cons um and definitely for me i i if i look like that's going to be interested in that to that type of game i definitely pick it up and i would give my own impressions i don't try to give a review because i'm not uh, definitely for me i'm not a professional reviewer but i like to see where some of their uh pros and cons are at that other people have been talking about to me personally like the number game doesn't really matter because some people will ignore the number game definitely with me working at retail and not have to sell sell that type of game i have to go off reviews and like their number score and tell people well this got a 7.5 but it's still good you know i did pick it up i did play it and it's worth the purchase and some people be like well because you said it was a 7.5 i'm not interested in that um and definitely for me i think it is important for some people i think um depending on what the site is and uh, i think it was it resident edge one of the sites that said they was getting rid of uh the number game or some kind of magazine or website said they was getting rid of numbers and when they put out the review out it was just going to be text and people actually got mad about that like they wanted a number to be attached of it because they felt like with a number attached for it it'll let me know if i want the game or not yeah, and you know, I remember when Splatoon got reviewed and it got what, like a 7.8 or something yeah. like that. And everybody was just like raging about it. I was like, well, what's the matter though? Like, why does it matter that it got a 7.8? In my heart, I think Splatoon is a fantastic game. For me, it's something that I enjoy playing. So for me, it's a 10. Why what does it matter if it's a 7.8 on, on a website? Like, what's, what's the problem? Just... No, move on. Play the game. Like, why is this making your decision so important? I think Splatoon's a really hard one to gauge, though, because when that came out, that's a really tough thing to to really review. Because 
there was a, a very limited amount of content on the disc, but we knew that there was more coming and that there was, you know, more free shit coming, no less. They were going to keep building on it. It's just that, you know, what was there on the disc to review at time of release was so limited and that that was taken into consideration in the review. And so it's kind of a torn. It's like what we have is not a lot, but we know there's more coming, but we can't review what we don't have yet. And as a result, it's one of the very few cases where IGN turned around you know, almost a, what, six, eight months later and re-reviewed it when the bulk of all the content had actually come out finally. Right. They said, okay, we've got the majority, if not all, of what's going to be out for this game. And it, it significantly changed the landscape of that game itself, including, you know, the, the modes that they added as well as the maps and the weapons and everything else that they added into that. And that really did merit a re-review. And they addressed it and they did it. Yeah, and yeah. definitely with uh, I, I, to me personally, when the demo came out for you know the uh, tester online and people were actually able to get in, I think that kind of sold people where they didn't even need to care what the number was for the review. People were just like, "Wow, I, I'm having like tons of fun of this. I really want this game." Like people were trying to master the demo of the game, and <laughs> they wish they that they kept it longer. Yeah, I mean, I I wasn't I wasn't the boat of please do not re-review this game. Uh, they did it anyway, and, and people were still mad that they didn't get like a higher number. This like that's when I get mad about stuff, right? It's like, well, it's whatever, man. Just move on already. Yeah, well. That... It got to be reviewed. I brought it on day one. I had to have it because when I tried to actually got the, I was just like, I don't want to play the demo. Um, I just want the game right now because I would rather have, um, you know, be able to play all of my friends to keep playing without worrying about um, the online having problems or anything like that, you know. They, it's good that they did the demo to test it and get things uh, together and, you know, they got it together and just going online and having fun with friends for hours upon hours. Like, that was what I cared about. Um, if reviews didn't have a number scale or a grade set scale, um, does the reader have a right to demand one? Um, like, do do people <laughs> feel like that they need to have one? Like, nope. Oh, nope. People do not have the right to demand something they're getting for free. You don't have the right. If you're paying review, it's different. But you're getting, you're going to a website that you're accessing for free and you're reading the review for free. So you don't have any right to demand your review to have a number. I that's a stupid and stupid. Larry? Maybe that sounds terrible. Stop it. Yeah, that sounds terrible. That sound is awful. I'm going to reach through the microphone and cut you. Knock it off. Who? <laughs> you were moving all the shit around. <laughs> oh. Mute the microphone next time. Ciao, bye. Oh, go uh, ahead, Larry. <laughs> no, 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 no. Finish, finish moving your shit so that we can hear it. First. I did. Let's move. <laughs> okay. But no, and Adrian is exactly right. Not that you could hear anything that he fucking said, yeah. but <laughs> no, I mean, you, you have, ex 
let, let's talk about fucking entitlement because that's exactly what that shit is. You know, people bitch when there's not a number because that means they have to read something in readings hard. But no, it's fucking entitlement. Unless you are paying a subscription for some site's reviews and it is a, a, a format that is structured and promised to you that it'll have a number for as much as that number fucking does or does not mean, you know, no, there is exactly zero right to bitch. Yep, I agree. Because they feel like that if they have that number, they could use that number in a in an argument. Well, this Braille site gave it that, so that's why this game is garbage. Okay, did you read any of the context that was in the story? No, I didn't read it, but it's because it got this number. Th- that's what that means. What makes it garbage? So you're not going. I don't think you can call. I don't think you can call a game garbage unless you play it. If you play the game and you have the experience of it being garbage, then cool. You were right. The game was garbage. But if you like read a review and the reviewer said, oh, this game is awful, and then you go around saying the game is awful, then you're stupid, and you don't deserve reviews anymore. I will, yeah, because Grand Theft Auto... just insult the reviewers. <laughs> no, because I, I know Grand Theft Auto 5 shouldn't got the score that it got, uh, but I'll leave that to another day. Um... Why is word of mouth taken as the use to buy something over the professional reviews on sites and magazines? Like, why is it that if a friend, uh, if a person say, well, this game is good or this game is good, you should buy it. Uh, why is that taken as more important over a professional review? For the well, you know, it, oh, sorry. I'll, I'll, well, I guess I'll go ahead now that I'm talking. Uh, <laughs> um, I think it's more personal, right? Um, my... In my case, for example, I have a very um, strict and detailed, uh, you know, like video game taste um, that doesn't like doesn't go with, with everything. For example, like I can't give you a form opinion on uh, first-person shooters or like racing games uh-huh. or, or sports games, for that matter, right? So if you ask me, like, hey, should I buy the latest um, NHL 17? I'll be like, honestly, dude, like I I don't know. I haven't played one since like uh, like 2003, so I don't know how much the games have changed or anything. They look kind of identical in my opinion, but you know you may want to check more out of it before you buy it. Um, but if you come to me and you say like, "Hey, Adrian, like, what about Shovel Knight?" Hey, hey, my man, we're gonna talk business now, right? Uh, so it's it's very different, and, and you know I have many friends and with very different tastes all over the place. And I trust their judgment sometimes. I normally give them one chance. If you suggest something to me and I like it, then I'll like I'll continue liking your taste. But as soon as you suggest something that I didn't enjoy, that's it. You're out of the of the race. I'll never trust your opinion again. I don't care what you say. Um and it's that it, it's basically it, right? That it, it's it's a personal touch that you're putting on on the game, right? Like, how many people have I not told about Shovel Knight? I've I've gotten at least we did we did about ten minutes in episode three about Shovel Knight alone. Yeah, exactly, right. So, like, I got I got I think like five or six people into Shovel Knight just by talking about it, right? Just by saying like, "Hey, you should play this game. It's awesome because of this and this and that." So go and buy it right now. Uh, 
so that just shows you how you know a personal review can influence whether or not you buy again. Gary? Yeah, and, and for me, the other thing too is that, um, and very much what I was saying earlier plays into this. Know your reviewer. And in this case, you know, when it's word of mouth, you know your reviewer so much better because it's somebody that you know personally and not just a, a personality or a, a, a logo on a website that's giving you the review. It's somebody that you know. You know what they play on a regular basis. You play fucking games with them, you know. You know that somewhere there's a shared taste or you know what the difference of opinion is. And on a side note, why are we talking about hockey? Because there hasn't been a relevant fucking hockey game since the Sega Genesis. Well, well, it the was, last time it, a hockey game was good. Was that Wayne Gretzky? Canada. It no. was the first sport that came to my mind. <laughs> that is true. You guys are known for some good hockey in Canada. Yeah, there you go. My friend was actually in Canada. He got to see one of the games. Um, in, in Toronto, um, I don't know who what team it was, but he got to go see it. Um, I I've been meaning to go to a hockey game. I hope I can uh, either this year or next. I, I would really like to to see a hockey game live. Is it Wayne Gretzky for the Sega Genesis, or NHL, or the EA one? I think Gretzky was on Genesis way back in the day. Hmm. And Adrian, if you ever come down and visit, we'll take you over to the Compton Ice Arena over at Notre Dame for a hockey game. Sure. I'm I'm down for that. I'm thinking so, I'm going to Yeah. <laughs> we are a stone's throw from Notre Dame campus, so we'll take it. Nice. <laughs> uh, I, I think that with the word of mouth, um, you you just, like you guys did, you know this person very well. You know they taste, and so you take it. I, I think sometimes for me, Word of mouth is not good enough um, because definitely when I'm selling a game and telling a person about uh, about it and I give them like the full stuff that they love, they'd be like, no, nah, because the game got too much reading, so I'm not going to get it. Like, why even ask me about my opinion about a game if I'm giving you the stuff that you like that fits your taste and you just, you know, throw it over your head and just be like, I'm not going to take it anyway. But you asked for the question about the game. Like, why would why would you even ask? Uh, so I think so. Definitely for me, um, unless you're interested, unless that's that's your taste in your own personal library, don't ask me. Don't ask me if it's good or not. Because my thing is will be like, I'll I'll say that it's good. I'll give you what it is. And if you take it, if you don't take it, then you know you're a person that just be like, you know what? Don't even ask me. Read the review, rent the game, and see for yourself. Or go online and play the demo. Like, download the demo if they have it. Um, that's my thing. Speaking of demos, actually, sorry, the, just a oh, quick segue. Speak, speaking of demos, but, man, like, more games need demos. Like, there are not enough demos for games anymore. I mean, yes, you can get, oh, play the beta right now, right? But that's just for, like, a multiplayer aspect of the game, right? Like, no, give me give me a demo of these single player content let me know how the game is and how the game feels so i can know where or not i'm gonna like it i actually think demos are more important than a number or a review or anything because if you play the demo you can play a demo for like half an hour an hour or something like that and then you can say like hey i was very much into this i want to play some more right so 
Demos, more demos out there. Please. Well, because well, with demos, they so want to sell the game on a multiplayer. They don't want to sell it on a single player because they know that that single player is not strong. Well, then bring I don't want to buy a game on the multiplayer. I want to buy it on the single player. Yeah, and, exactly. and a lot of people want that. A lot of people be like, you cannot sell me a game on multiplayer alone. Because once again, once you cut the servers, what do I have? Sure, you know, and th- that and that gets questionable to me. At least, let me, give me two levels of a single player game, or even even just add the even just give me two levels that you created with that idea of what the game is going to be about with its gameplay mechanics. Give me that kind of idea, so I could be like, okay, if you got you guys are in the right path. If this is going to be in the actual game in the single player. I'm down for it. I'm cool with that. But you know, if I gotta if I gotta reserve a game to get a demo, no, that's not about to happen. Yeah, no, I don't. I don't agree on those either. So, um, see, I miss the heyday oh, of like the 360 because every game coming out had a fucking demo on Xbox Live, and now that that shit's all gone. You know, it used to be. It didn't matter if it was a, a live arcade game or if it was a full retail game. Everything came coming out had a demo. I could try anything, and it was great. And they even announced that over oh, here, the demo's available. Go and try the demo. Now, yeah, Nit- yeah. now, now, now that's, Nintendo. That's, that's a company that's confident in their product. Yeah, exactly. I mean, if 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 you're not putting a good product out there, or if you're scared that a demo is gonna drive away customers then why are you putting this game out at all? What's the point, right? Because they think that they could, like I said, they think they could sell you on multiplayer. And I'm like, sometimes that multiplayer is not enough. And sometimes multiplayer is not the factor that's doing it. They want, people want to play single player. They don't want to stay on playing multiplayer because some some people are just like, they hate going online and playing with strangers, you know? Yeah. And you know, I actually I got I got a parent once uh, asking about a Splatoon, and um, like she she didn't like that the game is mostly online. And I was like, well, I mean, I'm sorry, but that's that's the way it is, right? Like you are in your and completely entitled to say I will not buy this game for my son because it's online only. I don't want him to go online. Even though you can't chat or talk with people online on the Splatoon, it is still a fair concern, right? That they don't want their parents to go online. So I was like, I mean, I I don't know what else to to um to say to you. It's just the way it is. I mean, I I do mention that the game does have a single player, but I do mention that it's mostly online multiplayer because that's what the game is kind of sold on, like three-minute three, three minute matches, and you're good to go. But if you don't want to do online, there is a single player attached to it. That's really fun and really creative. Your kids would get into it. Like, I sell it, sell it to them that way. Um, but if they, most of them, they'd be like, well, what's the hottest game? Do you, and I asked them, do you got a PlayStation Network or Xbox Live? No, we don't want to pay for online. Then you're not going to have the hottest game. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, and that's true. I mean, do you want a good infrastructure or would you just like, if you just want to play a single player game, that's totally fine. There's a ton of single player games out there that you can play. But I do agree, like, the industry is mostly moving into multiplayer, 
like online environment that I'm not okay with for the most part. Um, but I mean, customers, they they vote with their wallets, right? Yeah. If the majority of people say, hey, I don't want to play this game because it's mostly online, that's fair. I mean, just don't buy the game. And definitely if the if the review is like really focused on the multiplayer and barely on the single player, that becomes a problem. That really does. Yeah, Cause I agree. Because sometimes with the reviews, they'd be like, well, the online section wasn't really working, so now we have to wait to play the online section before we can even do the review. Well, we got to wait till the game comes out because that's when the servers are going to go live. Yeah. Which is the problem with many, many online games, right? Like it was a problem with Splatoon. Uh, I think it was a problem with uh, like Battlefront and stuff like that. So, I mean, just the way it is. Platoon, though, at least, even when it went live, um, you know, right out the gate, there there really wasn't a, a major problem. You know, once once the stress hit the servers, they handled it extremely well. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, it may have taken them forever to finally do, you know, a, an online, you know, shooter. But when they did it, holy fuck nuts, they nailed it. You know, it wasn't all this day one crashing. Everything's broke because we didn't test anything shit. You know, day one out the gate, their stuff worked the way it was supposed to, as promised. <laughs> and I love reading yeah. people's uh, uh, tweets and stuff. Be like, yeah, I was going to play 15 minutes of Splatoon. It's 5 o'clock in the morning. And I started this game at <laughs> like 12 p.m. Be like, really? <laughs> you know, yes, Splatoon is great. Um, can a review cause controversy or do the reader's community cause it? Like, like a review that um and we're going to talk about the gym starting and digital homicide controversy we'll talk a little bit about that um but shake your head adrian (laughs) i'm sorry (laughs) (laughs) but do does a review cause controversy like when people don't agree with a review a reviewer because they got gave another game that's in a same in that same genre a higher rating um and gave this thing a lower rating even though they might do the same things like do you think that's uh that's um like very big like is it important or anything like that i think it's the community that causes the controversy i mean um like the biggest controversy that i can think of in the recent years was the mass effect 3 ending and how people were like, you know, they felt betrayed because this game got like a very high um, review and it was like the ending of Shepard and the Mass Effect franchise. And they were like, well, you know, but you didn't tell me anything about the ending. So now I need to bitch around. And I'm going to follow um, you. I'm going to follow you up with a different game when you get done, Adrian. Or after you, yeah, you well, and Larry get done. Well, it was just it, right? Like it was, I remember that and I remember a lot of people talking about it and it was like, you know what? I haven't gotten to the end of Mass Effect 3, so I'm not going to see anything about it. And I finished the game and I remember when I finished Mass Effect 3, it was four in the morning, sun was rising here. uh, It was, you know, like a warm um, summer uh, day. And I remember like I had my window open and everything and I finished the game and I was just like sitting there on my chair like, holy moly like what on earth did just happen and i had like i remember like i had to lay down and i just really think what 
the events of the game, right? And then I went online and started reading the controversy, and I was like, really? You just oh, can't believe people are looking for a reason to complain about this game. And I was like, you know, this is a case where the community creates the controversy. It has nothing to do with the review. And I just moved on after that. Larry? I think the only time a review causes controversy is if that review was bought and paid for by the publisher and or developer. Oh, At we're that going. Point, oh. Yes, you have every you have every right to, you know, to stir up some controversy about that. Any other, you know, controversy, that should all comes from the the readership, the viewership, the listenership, wherever you're getting your reviews, you know. The only controversy that comes around is, you know, when they bitch because you know, whatever their, their website or venue of choices didn't give the game that they, you know, that they wanted or that they were excited about, didn't give it a perfect fucking 10, and they're butthurt for some reason, which makes no sense because until you bought the game, A, you have no investment in it. Why are you fucking crying about it? For all, you know, if nothing else, be thankful because if it was a terrible fucking game and it got reviewed bad, somebody just saved you $60. Say thank you. Don't whine. Mm-hmm. we're gonna say Kane and Abel too we're gonna get into that game too um, Metroid Other M and Bayonetta 2 two big controversies and with, with Metroid Other M um, it wasn't so much about the story it was much about um, one of the reviewers that was on Adam Sester's show on G4 um, was doing a review about Metroid Other M and kept talking about Samus and having these feminine emotions and stuff and how she's supposed to be a cool bouncy hunter and stuff like that. And the reviewer focused so much on that, they didn't focus on graphics, gameplay, um, in other in other aspects of of what makes the game you know a Metroid game, they didn't focus on about that. They focused more on about Samus and her emotions and stuff. And a lot of YouTubers were were really upset about that because they felt like you focused more on this and didn't tell us nothing about the game. So you gave it a low rating based on some feet on some emotions and what you think what Samus is compared to, we want to know about gameplay. We want to know about graphics and like, you can find videos of it on YouTube and people were really upset with this, uh, with this, uh, with this reviewer who was also a female, um, and a lot of people just blame that they think that she didn't even play the game. They believe that there was a person who wrote a review and had her read it. Compared oh. to, uh, co- compared to something like Bayonetta two, where they was focusing more about Bayonetta being uh, being sexist, or you know, the game focusing more on her sexuality instead of instead of the graphics and gameplay and stuff like and people were complaining about how it's detrimental to women and stuff like this and it was just like it's not detrimental to women have you it it kind of got weird because no one said about anything about bayonetta when it first came out if you want any controversy about the first game it ran worse on PS3 and final Xbox 360. So why that now that the game came out on Wii U, Bayonetta 2, you focusing more on her movements and thinking it's too sexual. And you think that the review should should be about other things else. Because there's a lot of reviewers 
um, definitely um, Polygon, they, people were really mad about that one, that they focused more about um, uh, Bayonetta being too over-sexualized instead of focusing on the game itself, like the graphics, gameplay, story, the comedy, like uh, like different things where I believe like IGN gave it a fair score and, which is, and focused more on the gameplay and the graphics and things like that. Um, and like, like kind of like the total practice uh, total package and stuff and I respect both reviewers I have no problem with the reviewers um, but the controversy of that was focusing on things that really didn't matter like no one was really trying to talk about it but it got brought up and it forced people to talk about it I've been shown something, and I can't say what it is. I'm going to and I'm going to cut you, Adrian. I, I'm not going to say. <laughs> Sorry. I was shown something uh, where we were shown something, and we cannot talk about it. We're under a fake embargo, so we're not going to say anything <laughs> about it. No, no, no. You and I aren't under any embargo. <laughs> that, yeah, that's just me. Well, well, I'm trusting you guys. So we're we're not going to well, say that was any- your mistake. <laughs> we're we're not going to say anything what we saw. You just have to that's wait. Cool. Um, but but like I have zero words to say about anything. <laughs> I will guard your secret with my life. Thank I'm you. going. I'm going. Trying to get back on topic. <laughs> Uh, but like that was kind of the big controversy now um Larry you mentioned about uh developers paying for a good review and that kind of happened like to some of the YouTube bloggers that they was paying them and they even and stories even came out they were just like if you give us a good review about this game not only do you get the game for free but we will pay you something and the game you know people just made so much good you know reviews about it then a certain game came out and it was garbage or it was average like people were just like why why would you as a developer or a publisher do that i i honestly i don't know you know they they're i I know why they do it because they want to move copies they figure if they can flood the market with good reviews then you know they will they'll move copies it's it's a sales tactic it's a shitty one it's a real shitty one but it's a sales tactic that's marketing after all. And what do you guys think about when uh, publishers invite people to come to their company to review the game? I think great. Let them go. If you want to fly my ass out somewhere to, to come take a look at your game and review it, then fine. But know that I'm not going to, you know, I, I won't put together any kind of review on anything unless I've actually, you know, had a chance to sit down and play it all the way through. You know, the conditions in which I play the game in may have a minimal impact, but if any, but again, if there's any impact, it's minimal. I'm, if, if I'm going to review a game, which I, I, I'm not one to do, um, I, I look at a game and go, okay, I had fun, but what makes my opinion any more valid than anybody else's, but that's just me. I know I have weird, obscure taste in games, so I don't do that. But, you know, if if I was to look at it, you know, it would be a case of what experience that I have with the game, not not anything surrounding it. 
did you guys um i don't know if you heard the controversy and this one doesn't have have to be a review um it was a guitar hero preview that some guy was writing for polygon and he talked about how uninterested he was into the game he was just really there for the drinks and when he got a chance he actually went to go talk to the developers um and just ask him questions and leave like he didn't really play the game um i don't know if the, if the story was like a fake story or anything but it really gained some controversy right there just like why would you send a person who's not into um games a musical games like that and was just there for drinks and why would you allow him to publish the, uh why would you as a um as a website allow you to publish something like that that's that was their bad call as a website and you know managing their their writing staff that was their stupid call you know i i won't fault the guy if you know if the boss says hey go do this thing and you just look at it and go i have exactly zero interest in this but sure there's booze fuck it you know somebody in the you know in management there made a terrible fucking call and that's on their shoulders, not yeah. the guy who went there. Yeah. I mean, uh, it's a job, right? So if mm-hmm. you're told to do something, you got to do it. You may not like it, but you, you just got to do it. Um, yeah, I don't know how I feel about those uh, those kind of events. Um, I'm one that is very, like, secretive about their, their work. Uh, like, whenever I'm working. Like I even at my office, right? Like I have my computer just in the right angle so nobody can see what I'm doing. Uh, that's just you know the type of person I am. So <clears throat> if someone flies me somewhere to do a review on site, I will say like, well, I mean I'll do it if if I I'm legally binded to do so, but I probably won't like it and I'll probably won't even do like a full review until I'm back to my office and do it there. How did you guys think about, um, and we're going to move after this question, um, what did you guys think about IGN when they did the Destiny uh, review, when they were showing the game, like kind of streaming it, and then when they finally got to the end and beat it, they wrote up the review and like delivered it after, kind of. I think after the game came out or something like that. And it got like sixes, like uh, I think about like a 6.0 or 6.8. Like it looked like the what they wrote for it and what they were streaming looked good and they kind of sounded hype. But then after when the review finally came out, they just said it was like average. Like, do you guys think that reviews should be done in that way or anything? I don't know. I think reviews should be done however they're, the company decides them to do it, right? Um, for example, um, uh, Bobby Pauls of the uh, Geek Guru, right? Um, he started to do it, uh, not like reviews, more more of like like seal of approvals to games. Mm-hmm. And I kind of like that. Uh, he just like, you know, he plays the game and he basically tells you like, hey, whether or not he likes it. And I think that's fantastic. It's It's really good. It's very to the point. He like explained the thing he likes or the things he didn't like, and then he gives a seal of approval or not to the game. Very easy and very straightforward. So, what about you, Larry? 
I didn't follow any of the Destiny stuff because honestly, I had exactly zero interest in Destiny. I looked at it and went, "Oh, look, online shooter thing. Don't care. Click <laughs> off." But that being said, yes. as far as you know, what what this the the seal of approval thing goes, you know, that's it's not a bad idea by any stretch. But again, just like what we talked about earlier, it doesn't mean a damn thing unless you know the reviewer. You know, yeah. you have to know his taste to see if. You know, and, and it might be a case of honestly where, you know, he says, I fucking hated this game. But if you know that reviewer and you know that his tastes are exactly opposite yours, that's your cue to go out and buy it. That's true. That's very true. So, so our next question. Bad review. Oh, go ahead. Just as useful or encouraging to go out and buy a game as a good review. All depends on the reviewer. You know, and sometimes you have to play bad games in order to form like different opinions about like other things, right? Like one of the things I was taught on, on my early game design classes was like, hey, don't always play games you think they're good. Like get out of your comfort zone. Play different genres that you don't usually play. Play bad games too. You have no idea how much you can learn from playing a, a bad game. And it's it may not be like a bad game because like a reviewer said that it was a bad game. It would it would maybe be like a bad game because you played it and you thought it was a bad game. Um, so that was that was like a very important lesson that I that I really take to heart. It's like if I'm playing a game that I don't think is good, I'm normally thinking, what did this company do wrong and how will I improve it if I was making it again? Because yeah, people were just like. Uh... Avoid Ride to Hell, but play it because of how bad that game is. And I'm just like, uh, I'm not going to try that game. <laughs> I believe y'all, this game looks like garbage, and I'm going to leave it at that. Uh, moving on, though, um, developers and publisher, publishers have been unfair to those uh, who have given a game that is sold to, uh, to bad reviews for that product. Why is that? Should developers learn from criticism or wait to do a survey when the next game comes out? So basically that um, they've been unfair to reviewers uh, who gave their game, uh, you know, a bad score. Even though the game is being sold, uh, some publishers and developers have put like a DMCA or a copyright infringement. Um, and this is going to kind of tie in with the Jim Sterling part when we get to that question. Like, is it, why is it unfair that companies might do that to a, a reviewer? Definitely with the YouTube bloggers. Like, you know, should they be able to take the criticism that a, uh, a review gets? Or, you know, should they just wait that a survey comes out for the next game and just be like, what did you guys like and what you guys didn't like? Um, I mean, I, I, I don't even know how to answer the question properly. It's kind of like a big, like very generic, big, um, question. You know, I, I, I think if developers are being, you know, kind of salty about a review they got, mm -hmm. the only thing they have to do is the same, the same thing you have to do in Dark Souls is just get good. Make a better game next time. Try again. That's it. Well, Don't blame you, the reviewer. Blame yourself for putting out a bad game. Like, if you look at the Jeff uh, Gershman um, and his um, thing with uh, Cain and Able 2, how he got it, uh, gave it a bad game, and 
um you know they didn't really like that and so they kind of uh i don't know if they said that because of that game he got fired but i think it was other things like that um and there are stories out about that. Like they, the company who published it made a big deal that it got a bad review. And there are some companies who, um, where black have you know they blacklisted people because they gave bad reviews to their games. And there's been some companies who put uh, advertisement because they kept getting bad reviews. Like they were acting childish to reviewers i mean and to other websites because they got bad reviews for them for their games well and you know what that's that's on them for being butter but you put a product out into the world and at that point it is fair game it is open season you can be butthurt all you want about it but the at some point you're gonna have to own up to if if you put out a pile of shit you're gonna have to own up to it and go yeah, that was my mess. I made it and you bought it. But, you know, as far as blacklisting or blackballing people for reviewing it, you know, that's that's their prerogative. That's fine. But it's not going to stop anybody from, you know, reviewing their, their future endeavors. You know, okay, you're not going to send me a copy. Whoop-de-doo. Either I, you know, I'll game flight or I'll go out and buy it. But it's not going to stop me from getting my hands on it and reviewing it. Um, you know, the, the only thing that you're doing at that point by blacklisting somebody is potentially negatively slanting their, their forward going reviews on any other product that you put out because, you know, you got butt hurt and said that I'm not going to deal with you anymore. You know, that's, that's the only thing, but any, any reviewer worth their salt at that point would still be able to keep some semblance of objectivity in that issue and review the product by itself without, you know, figuring in any hurt feelings about what the what the publisher or the developer did or didn't do for them after, you know, they, they reviewed a product poorly, um, you know, the, the last go-round. Yeah, I, I, I agree 100% with that. Definitely, um, let's say, for example, uh, Ubisoft, like... Even though they get good reviews or any or you know decent reviews, I think people are very wary of them because of their Assassin's Creed brand being so buggy, and the way that they treated um, that Rainbow Six game that came out like they didn't put no single player, they only made it online, and how quickly people left that. Like, like Ubisoft is one of the companies that a lot of people like their wait to reviews now come out. Um, where someone like Gearbox, with Brett, definitely with Brandy Pitchford, people being mad at him still because of the Sega Colonial Marines um, situation, like people are now, are kind of now worried about Brandy Pitchford even touching games that Gearbox released. Like they love they love Borderlands, but now it, because of they find out that Brandy Pitchford touches it, they're going to be very cautious of of um a planet because of all the controversy that's surrounded with it. Definitely with the reviews being so bad for the game. You know. So I last you know, I personally oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry, go ahead I, I, just one last thing before we before we move on. For the most part I personally try to avoid any sort of controversy. I I don't have time to care, honestly. I mean it's 
there is way bigger things out there in the world that, hey, this guy cannot touch these games from this company because the company doesn't want him to. While there is like people dying all over the world. So, and so I, I, I think like I stay away from like trivial things like that. And, you know, I, I do what I like to do. I enjoy my games and I play and buy my games. That's, that's I, about it. I think with the alien uh, colonial marines thing though it's just like they didn't let nobody play that game and they lied to people with that trailer um i know jim sterling was just like they're still selling that still showing that trailer on steam like if you still want to buy that game on steam and you want to look on how the game is supposed to look they would throw that trailer. They didn't have. They don't got no original gameplay trailers unless you go on YouTube and see actual people playing the game. Mm-hmm. You know. So our last question: um, Jim Sterling and other YouTube bloggers get DMCA on their channels from developers. Seems to be a rising problem. Since Sterling is being sued by Digital homo- uh, Homicide, can the outcome change reviews? Um, and these are um, early access games, uh, Steam Greenlight games. And Jim Sterling, uh, he does play some good ones and he does play some bad ones and he gives his critique. If he pays for them, um, does he have a right to be um, actually, you know, does a company have a right to DMCA somebody and claim copyright infringement over a bad review? And if Digital Homicide, who's uh, suing Jim Sterling for emotional distress and uh, the lack of sales and stuff like that because of his reviews, um, if they win, can this change uh, how companies review a game? I told you guys probably uh, what I think about this whole situation. Uh, but it's not something that I'm comfortable saying uh, publicly, so I'm just gonna stay away from this question and let you guys talk. Well, well, well. Do you think that it it could change reviews, Adrian? Uh, it might, but anything can, though. Like any situation can change the way reviews are done. Larry's gonna enlighten us with how reviews will change. Uh, so that's that's something. Well, Larry, let's so, let's let's hear your thoughts first on the uh, on the Jim Sterling part, and then we'll definitely get into because I want to hear what 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 you have to say. All right, full disclosure: Jim Sterling is my fucking spirit animal. I love I love his content. Now, uh, granted, I I appreciate the the general obnoxious, weird, and abrasive mannerisms, but that's just my sense of humor. Now taking Jim Sterling out of the equation altogether, looking at it from a strictly legal standpoint. One, digital homicide put a product into the marketplace, into the wild. Two, somebody bought it. It was purchased. It was paid for. They weren't given it with any stipulation saying that you can't talk about it. We don't want your opinion floating around about it. No. You know what? It's like anything else on on the internet or anywhere else. If I bought a product and I want to talk about it and tell somebody I think it's great or it's a piece of crap, that's my prerogative. Free speech, your product needs to fucking stand the test. Otherwise, it shouldn't be out there, and that's on you. Now, that being said, 
you know, what digital homicide is trying to do is bloody ridiculous. And they, I, I can only fathom how much they paid a lawyer to take this piece of crap case. They, ha- they know, haven't. When, frankly, ah, even better. I can't wait for a judge to look at this and laugh them out of the courtroom and go, you're stupid, I, get out. They, they, there has been no um, no more information about of the course ha- of the case has been actually been moved to court. The lawyer who wants it wants to uh, wants to charge them $75,000. And they went on t- online to do a GoFundMe account so they can have people pay for the lawyer. But if you're suing somebody for $10 million and you don't have a lawyer or even have enough to get a lawyer. How are you going to sue somebody? But in addition, the, the only possible, the only possible leg the digital homicide has to stand on is this. If this shit is up on YouTube and he's using footage from digital homicides games, that's the only leg that they could possibly have to stand on because they can go, you didn't have permission to use footage of our shit. That's copyright infringement. Anything else is out the window. Actually, if that was in print or if that was an audio. Actually, it's not. When it, uh, fair use is uh, criti- uh, criticism is covered under fair use because he's using, he's using it to um, – give his opinion to not not really saying that the you know not really to downplay the game or stuff then and definitely if they're if they're making allegations about Jim starting ruining their product and the product is unplayable Jim starting has the right to do that because he brought the product now with digital homicide even if that even if he brought the product they're supposed to be going back to those games and fixing them to make it better. That's what Green uh, Steam Greenlight is. It's to show you, um, give you an idea of what the game is. If it's interested, the money that you get from people buying it is supposed to go to towards to developing more about that game. What Digital Homicide is doing is buying assets off of Unity, throwing something together, and releasing it as a full game bugs broken and everything like they're not going back to fix the game oh yeah no and there there's there there is now and always will be shady fucking developers mm-hmm. out there that you know are are hell-bent on selling you garbage and that's that's just the nature of the beast you know we as intelligent gamers have over time, you know, developed kind of that sixth sense and look, where we can look at something and go, eh, 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 not with a 10-foot pole. But, you know, there there's still plenty of other people, especially, dear God, especially on mobile markets like iPhone and the, the Google Play Store, you know, where there's all kinds of garbage out there. But at least, at the very least, and I'm not saying it's okay, but you can at least mitigate the damage done knowing that most of the crap that's out there that, you know, the, the soccer moms are going to buy are maybe 99 cents or a dollar 99 on whatever marketplace you're buying it on, on your phone. And, you know, that's not going to break the bank. It's not like paying 10, 15, 20 bucks or more for a game, you know, that that's supposed to be at least of mediocre quality, if not more so, you know, and getting something that's a, a complete piece of garbage. Yeah. 
So, um, okay, so Larry, Larry's advice. This is Larry Vice Corner. How should reviews be done? The final reveal. How should they be done? All right. Plain and simple. Here's how you fix reviews and make them 100% more useful. The 10 point or whatever point scale you you know, any site you uses, throw that shit out the window. Here's how you make a review stand the test of time. Replace it with a dollar amount. How much is that game worth? At what point, at what price point should that game be bought? Plain and simple. If you put out a $60 game and there's maybe four hours worth of content, eh, there's a good chance it might not be worth 60 bucks. I might buy it for 20 or 30 bucks. I'll give that game a score of 20 or $30. And that tells me that, you know, at 20 or 30 bucks, that game is totally worth your money. That's okay, what's so fucking hold important. Hold on. Hold on. <laughs> Coming from that though, I bought Shovel Knight for fifteen bucks, but I will totally pay like sixty for it. Does that? How does that? How would that work though? Because I'm giving That's the, the I'm giving the game more. That's the absolute epitome of glowing review. If I got a game for fifteen bucks that I'd have paid sixty dollars for, I would happily put. I'd review it at sixty dollars, because plain and simple. I would have paid 60 bucks for it. It doesn't mean that I have to pay 60 bucks for it. It just means that I'm getting that much more value for my money. No, I started doing that. It makes sense in every direction. I win the internet. I fix video game <laughs> reviews for everybody. You're all welcome. There you go. I'll be okay with that. I'm going to start reviewing games you with the dollar amount You now. can't beat it. It's brilliant. I I will fully toot my own horn on this. I know brilliance when it come, falls out of my <laughs> mouth. <laughs> so review a game with an actual dollar price point. Um, would you do it like about like a game that's – would you say like it's worth the full price or would you after that would you just be like it's worth like thirty thirty forty dollars is for something that's average like a budget title game, and then something that's like really garbage it, just they like look pay five ninety nine at a bargain bin at GameStop or a garage sale. Like I said, every game is you know it can very well be re- reviewed on its own merits. And again, it's just as important, even with this scale, it's just as important to know your reviewer, to know what they value and take that in context with that review. But, you know, if if somebody out there, you know, if their tastes fall exactly in line with me, you know, and I review a game at five ninety nine, then, yeah, I, I would tell that person, you know, OK, your taste is the same as mine. You're probably not going to get sixty bucks worth out of this game now. And if you happen to see it in a bargain bin somewhere for five, hello. But you know, there's there, there's no losing with this. Plain and simple. So anyone who's who hasn't this picked up brilliance. Anyone who hasn't picked up Grand Theft Auto Five, uh, if it's on sale for nine ninety nine, get it. There you go. See, for you, ten dollars would have been the per- ten dollars. You would have felt absolutely satisfied with your purchase. More than ten dollars, you felt like you paid too much. 
if you paid less than $10, you felt like you got a great deal because you got more content and more value out of it than what you paid for it. Now, we didn't talk about DLC, um, and pretty much DLC doesn't really need to be reviewed. If they let you know what you're getting at the time uh, before the game comes out, um, it'll be up to you if you want to buy it or not. Uh, I know there are people who do reviews for DLC, if it's worth the purchase or not. Uh, I just feel like something like that is kind of minor. Like, you know, that one, you could be like word of mouth of it's worth to get or not, or just see, you know, like you could hear like people give impressions of it, but it'll be up to you if you want the DLC or not. So. I think it depends on the DLC. Some DLC is just that. It's minor. It's little bitty, you know, add-ons. Other DLC are huge chunks of game that you're adding on. You know, uh, throwback to Borderlands. The DLC that came for, you know, that came out for Borderlands was each each piece of DLC was a good, sizable chunk of game. Yeah. There was good value add there, you know. And at that point, you've got a couple of options. You can either, at that point revisit the 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 final review score of you know we'll say borderlands came out at 60 bucks and we'll say that adding in the dlc did it add the the 10 or 15 dollars worth of value to that game if so yes you you add that into the score or you can review the dlc independently and say yes this dlc is worth 15 bucks eh, if you catch it on a deal you know on a on an online sale you know, for 10 bucks, then, you know, that's, that's where it's worth it. Yeah. Or, you know, yes, I got so much content out of this. I totally would have paid 20 bucks for this. I, I know with Shovel Knight, I had so. to have that $15. I, it was just the hard about thing about Shovel Knight was which platform to get it on. And I was just like, I'm sorry. I got to go with Wii U. Like you, you, you have to get on. That's the point. Well, I got the physical cartridge on 3DS and, uh, no, and I have it on, on there and on Wii U. And if I ever get a PS4, I'll probably get it on PS4 as Don't well. Don't get it on PS4. No. <laughs> but I want to play that Kratos mission. It's nothing. Um, the watching video. <laughs> <laughs> so that's it for the show. Um, Larry, do you have anything to plug? Um, no, just just your birthday, Chocolate Thunder. We just want to say happy birthday to you. Oh, thank you. Chocolate Thunder. That's how I'm going to start calling Edward from That's now on. Chocolate Thunder. See, like, Eddie oh, no, V's out the window. Chocolate Thunder's in the house. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, everybody. Welcome to World 1-1 One One Podcast. I'm your host, Chocolate Thunder. Oh, it sounds like a stripper say, name. Oh, my God. My oh. lag got so bad, it just about, reverted to the beginning of the show somehow. <laughs> what, about, what about Hot Fudge? And we call you Hot Fudge instead. Hot Fudge. Oh, no, that's a stripper name, Hot Fudge. Chocolate Thunder is a stripper name. <laughs> no, no, Whoa, Chocolate Thunder is stripper awesome. name Hot podcast. Fudge is totally a stripper name. <laughs> what would you say, Adrian? I'm your host, Bad Canadian, and training me is Hot Fudge. I don't have one for you, Larry, sorry. <laughs> I call him, call him Big Red. There you go, Big Red. There you go. Big Red. Uh, Adrian, did you? Oh my goodness, the show. <laughs> Adrian, did you have anything to plug? Um, yeah, just uh, go to uh, uh Check out the trailer for Tuna Cycle. We're working really hard on it. We um, we just got a milestone a couple 
couple days ago, so that made me uh, very, very, very excited. Um, basically, world high scores are done. I made them. Uh, they work, so you can submit your high score online and check it out to see where you stand on the top 48. Um, that was really cool. It was it was a really good feeling when that came together uh, nicely. Uh, we're working very hard on that. It's going to come out soon. I don't have a date yet, but it's it's coming. Yay! Um, so, yeah, go to thefrostedmachine.com. Uh, follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Tumblr, YouTube, anyway, anywhere, really. Uh, and, yeah, just follow me. I'm uh, Bohox, that's B-O-J-O-X-Z on Twitter. And, yeah, if you want to talk, just hit me there. Is that all? Well, well, okay. We'll also go to the to Facebook and check out the MVC Video Game Book Club, um, where, where we play Nintendo games for a month and then uh, get together to talk about them. Uh, of course, check my YouTube channel where those discussions are held. I'm working really hard on um, publishing all the uh, episodes on iTunes. Um, so hopefully that will be coming soon. I'm looking just for a, for a good service uh, where to host it somewhere. Um, so, yeah, yeah uh, check that out. This month's game? Uh, we're playing Donkey Kong Country on Super Nintendo right now. Um, I remember how much I like the music on that game. Yeah, the music is uh, really good. Uh, I, yes. I, 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 uh, a couple of days ago, I played through the first aquatic level, and I was like, oh, man, like this game is so good in the music department. It's just it's just a fantastic fantastic experience. So yeah, if you want to join, just Facebook that um, you can find it there, and you can join and play Donkey Kong with us. Now that it's on the new Nintendo 3DS system, you can have it on the go, play whatever you are, uh, or buy it on your Wii U or your Wii, or you know, play it on your Super Nintendo if you still have your copy, whatever. And if we want to hear more what you guys think about reviews, um, you can email the show at world11podcast at gmail.com. That's W-O-R-L-D-1-1 P-O-D-C-A-S-T at gmail.com. Um, for my plugs, I host another show called Optional Opinion that you guys can check out on SoundCloud and at the Anomalous Radio Network. Um, join us on the NBC Video Game Book Club. Uh, just check up our past discussions on YouTube. Um, I also do another show called The Deluded Geeks podcast at the anomalous radio network where i also co-host with some other guys where we talk about movies video games comics tv just all things that's geeky and nerdy so you guys could check that out um uh this month for my optional opinion feature um i'm doing a sec uh feature called well it ain't mario where i'm talking about b uh b platforms uh I am talking about Bubsy, but I'm not doing the hour show. Ah, <laughs> uh, oh, The Legend of Zelda. I love Link. Yay. Um, I, I, the rumors and stuff, I can't. I just want to reveal. I don't care about all the rumors for the Zelda U thing. Um, that'll be a, a discussion for another day. Um, but I'm doing that uh, coming at the end of this month. Oh, Pikachu, Pika, Pika. Can I tell you, uh, I was thinking about Pikachu, like, in a nightcap and some pajamas. And it was just like, I kind of want a plushie with that. Like, Pikachu with a long <laughs> nightcap hat. Like, I, I, I'm so nerdy. I don't know why. That, that's just that's me. That's fine, dude. Um, but, yeah, I'm talking about B-rated platforms like Punky Skunk. 
uh me, Tony, and Larry, uh, Tony, who was our West Coast correspondent, he couldn't make it. Uh, we got talking about old PlayStation 1 games, like very obscure and rare PlayStation 1 games. So if you guys know any, uh, email us at world11podcast in Gmail and talk and tell us about it. Um, and like give us a list of what you guys think also. Uh, but that is the show. Um, until next time, we will see you guys later. Bye. Bye. Peace. Peace.